Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and I hopefully share some helpful tips about how to grow your audience in business. And that's it. No fluff. We jump right into it. And hopefully you get a bunch of actionable strategies that you can put to use yourself. Today, my guest is Chris Colbert. Chris is the founder of the podcast and video production company, DCP Entertainment. His network provides a platform for underrepresented communities through the lived experiences of captivating storytellers. You can keep up with the various projects they're working on by following them on Twitter and Instagram at DCP Official. And with that in mind, hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. I'm really excited to be here and to learn. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And we're going to, I know you've got some good questions and we're also going to put myself on the spot and try to come <laughs> up with some, try to come up with some ad copy and stuff on the fly for you. So it, it should be interesting. We'll see how this goes, but let's jump right into it. What is the first thing that you want to know? So I want to know what tips do you have for writing quick, effective copy for digital ads, particularly like a you know Google ad that use only around like a hundred, you know, 120 characters. Let me start by giving some sort of general notes on how I think about writing copy and short copy for ads. And then I want to have you tell me a little bit about, we'll kind of go through like a case study or a sample and we'll try to actually write some copy on the fly here. Um, good. But in, gen in general, I think it's really important to aim for clarity, not cleverness. So when people are seeing your ads and especially you only have 120 characters or so, they need to really understand what it is that you're talking about, what the value is for them, and what you actually want them to do in a very concise way. And I think a lot of times people fall in the habit of, oh, this is really creative and this is really clever, but you have a context for what you're promoting that those people don't have, right? So mm -hmm. that's not really going to work. You have to assume they have no idea what you're talking about or what you're doing, they're, yeah. you know, if it's Google, they're just surfing for something, right? So you have to really emphasize clarity. Another sort of general note is when possible, you want to use words and language that your target audience uses. So a lot of times you'll see people that they're promoting, maybe they're a consultant who has some package where they, they have some unique system where they help people get sales, let's say, right? And their ad is like, you know, learn the 3X pyramid. Nobody knows what the 3X pyramid is. <laughs> Nobody cares. Like what the 3X pyramid does is get people sales. That's what they want. So, you know, that, that ad copy would be more along the lines of find out how to triple your sales, not learn the 3X pyramid. So you want to use the phrases and terms that your audience is using and talk about the things that you know that they want. The other thing is with ads, the big advantage of, digital and social ads is the ability to really hyper target stuff. And you want to take advantage of that. So you want to be as specific as possible to match the match your copy to your targeting. So a lot of times people will say, let's say they want to target entrepreneurs and they'll create one ad and they'll target entrepreneurs on Facebook or whatever. Well, you could flip, you could switch that and have half of it go to just female entrepreneurs for example, mm. and your copy could reference how female entrepreneurs can raise money or whatever, whatever it may be. 
how female entrepreneurs can raise money is going to do better when targeting female entrepreneurs than just a general how entrepreneurs can raise money because you're being more specific. So you really mm -hmm. want to take advantage of that targeting capability in your copy, right? That's something you can't do. You buy a TV ad or something like that or put an ad in a magazine, it's reaching everybody. The hyper-targeting is really only beneficial if you use your copy to match it. Another thing is to remember that your goal in most cases with these ads, the goal of the ad is to get the click. It's not to make mm -hmm. the sale. It's, yes, ultimately downstream, uh, that's what you want. But your goal is how do I create curiosity and draw attention to get someone to click this ad? The goal of the landing page or wherever you send them next is to convert that attention into the sale, the lead, the whatever it is that you want them to do. So I think being very conscious in what you're doing, a lot of times people are trying to sell in their ads, but really what you're trying to sell is the click. Mm -hmm. So that's a very different thing. You're not trying to convince them to buy, you're trying to draw them in and convince them to click. Sometimes those things are similar, most times they're not. Another thing is you wanna, whenever possible, try not to sound generic, especially if you think about your, let's say it's Google ads or something like that. So many of those ads sound the same. Uh, mm -hmm. so what can you do to sort of separate yourself a little bit, make it stand out? Obviously that's a case by case basis and there's a lot of variables, but it's something to try to keep in mind. Yeah. Another big one, and this goes along with that is your goal ultimately is to give people a reason to choose you. So let's say you're a web design agency, right? And people see, people search for a web designer and they see a million ads for web designers. And all the ads probably say, oh, best web design in Los <laughs> Angeles or best whatever, right? What can you do that gives people a reason to choose you as opposed to everyone else? And a lot of times people default to trying to explain or say or claim that they're better, but better is not really a differentiator, it's a judgment call. So rather than say, you know, we're the best web designers, you might say, you know, we specialize in web design for restaurants, something that goes, oh, I'm going to choose that one. Or, mm -hmm. or you have that differentiates you from everyone else. We specialize in this. We've been doing this for 50, not a web designer, but we've been doing this for 50 <laughs> years or something that differentiates you. The idea is not just to convince people that you're good, but to give people a reason why they should choose you. Lots of people are good. Lots of people can design a website. And then the next thing I would say is you want to include a clear call to action that promises a reward when possible. A lot of times people are just sort of talking about the thing and they're not actually telling people what they want them to do. And it doesn't have to be just click here, but you see this a lot of, you know, you see this a lot of times with, with newsletter and email signup forms where they just say subscribe versus get this thing, start your free trial versus sign up. So thinking about that when possible. And then the last thing I would say is copywriting is always an iterative process. So the truth is you have no idea what's going to work well or not until you're actually testing stuff and putting it out there. And I think a lot of times people go into this and they're like, they try, they come up with a bunch of ideas. They pick the one that they think that is the best based on nothing. They're just, they just like, I think this one's, <laughs> this one seems good. They put it out there and it either, it doesn't really work and they go, well, I guess ads don't work for me. 
And it's like, nah, maybe you were wrong. Like maybe, yeah. maybe, that, maybe there is an ad that works. You just didn't pick it or it does work and they might assume that's it. And they don't realize it actually could be better. So in success yep. or failure, you want to continue to iterate and you will learn as you go what your audience responds to and that kind of thing. So understanding that it's an ongoing process versus we take a shot and, oh, it didn't work for me and testing all the different elements and add the same ad copy might work really well to one audience and not well at all to another audience. So there's a lot of variables, but so that's the sort of crash course in ad copy, but now let's try a stunt. So give me an example of something that you want to promote that you want to write an ad for, and we'll sort of talk through on the fly, how I might think about copy for that. So tell me what the thing is and who the target audience is and kind of what you want them to do. Yep. So I think the one we'll try out is a Torre show. So it's a podcast that is for uh, primarily a black audience. His subject matter is talking to black professionals, whether they be celebrities or influencers, politicians, mm -hmm. but uh, people who are uh, accomplished in their various industries and getting essentially a masterclass. And so our core audience are black individuals between the age of 30 to 40. And geolocation tends to be a major city, New York, mm -hmm. LA, Miami, DC. So think that kind of realm in terms of who we're speaking to. Okay. And you want them to listen to a specific episode, I'm guessing, or you tell me, so, or yeah, check out the show I, in general. Yeah. What, what do you want about, them to do? I was originally thinking, check out the show in general, but to the point you just made, it probably is better to be more specific. So maybe we want to point them to specific political hosts or point celebrity hosts. So for mm -hmm. this example, let's talk about maybe people who are aspiring musicians. Learn okay. from some of the best musicians out there is probably where we can lean into for this copy. Okay. Great. And are there particular names of like some sample musician guests that he's had on? Sure. Um, Kendrick Lamar, and I'll go backwards. So obviously he's more relevant now, but you also have people that you know, probably fit better that demographic. So learn from people who played with Prince, um, mm -hmm. learn from Ice Cube. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll throw, other one I'll throw out is a uh, musician wise. Who am I forgetting? That's a really big one. Yeah, let's go with those right now. Let's pick okay. up with an unblink. Are they learning in those interviews? I'm sure he talks about a million different things, but let's take, let's take Kendrick Lamar as an example. So in the interview with Kendrick, are, is he talking about business career path? Is he talking about creative music creation? Like where does it go? Or it's all of the above? Creative. It does hit okay. sometimes, but I think the core part of the interview is more creative. And I'll throw okay. one other name out there that I meant to say, Mary J. Blige. That's another a good name. Okay. And same thing that. with her. It goes more in the sort of creative direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the advice would be the same. So the first thing I would do is I would take, I'm going to give you two options here, right? So one is I would take the individual episode and promote that and go, I'm going to promote the Mary J. Blige episode to Mary J. Blige fans, people that are interested in Mary, all that kind of stuff of which there's a lot. So that audience is plenty big. Yeah. Uh, and I would write, I would, I would go through the podcast and try to get a sense. And maybe he, Tori even knows from the feedback. I'm sure there were certain moments that people reacted to yeah. the audience response. They couldn't believe when she said this, oh my God, I loved when she said that, that was so fascinating. So that's tipping you off to things that resonated. That's market research. If you think about it. So let's say that, I don't know, let's say there's a bit where Mary J. Blige talks about how she writes a song or how she could go in a bunch of different directions and you test different ones. But let's say it was how she writes a song. 
you might have a headline that's something like Mary J. Blige reveals her songwriting technique. Mm, I like that word reveal too. Right, because it sounds sexy, right? You're teasing. This is the curiosity part. It's not Mary J. Blige talks songwriting. It's you're trying, the entire purpose of the ad is curiosity. Now, if I'm showing this to Mary J. Blige fans, by the way, I could also target songwriters, people in music schools who will also be interesting in her songwriting technique, right? With the same ad. And I could test how that goes. But Mary J. Blige reveals her songwriting technique is going to be interesting, most likely to Mary J. Blige fans. And so that's your headline. And then you have a little description that again is teasing whatever that technique is. So it might be the surprising story behind the creation of what's the 411, whatever. That's, I know that's super old reference, but sure. Uh, <laughs> but that's, family that's of, the point, we're hitting that demographic, so. <laughs> right, and, and actually, that's funny, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you're, you could buy age group, you could go, hey, the person in their 40s, there's a nostalgia piece now, but I might run the exact same ad to a person who's a little younger that references one of her newer songs or more recent songs. And again, this is also where it's iterative and you're sort of testing all the stuff. So when you have a guest like Mary J. Blige, I'm leveraging her as, a, as opposed to Tore because if I'm trying to get people who don't know Tore yet, right? That's the key. Now, the other thing you can do is when you have a podcast and you have a bunch of episodes like this, you could create a piece of content that combines a bunch of those. So you might create a blog post with clips from Kendrick Lamar, Ice Cube, Mary J. Blige, whatever, and drive people there to a collection of these interviews. Mm. And then your ad might reference multiple of them, or you might run the same Mary J. Blige ads and just send her to a page with all these things. So now the people that you're sending there are understanding it's not just this one-off Mary J. Blige thing. Oh, this guy interviews all these musicians right? You could also go in a more generic route. Let's say you were targeting just musicians in general, instead of like Mary J. Blige fans. And you could have a headline that's five best-selling musicians reveal how they launched their career, how they built their career. If I'm a musician who wants to figure out how to do that, that's going to be interesting to me. Same thing. You could roll up a bunch of your entrepreneurs. Let's even say you could do top African-American entrepreneurs share how they built their empires or Mm -hmm. the secrets, the secrets behind five African-American entrepreneurial empires. Again, secrets. Ooh, I'm kind of interested. What Exclusivity as well. Like, yeah, both those words reveal and secret. Yeah. Give this kind of exclusivity. That's why you're coming up versus anybody else. Yep. So that's how, and a big thing to remember here, because a lot of people fall into this trap too, is the instinct is, let me promote the Torre show. Go check out the Torre show. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to reach a new audience who doesn't know him, that's not compelling. Yeah. It's the content it's the, the, that is compelling. I don't know, if I don't know him, I don't care about his show. But if I want to learn how to become a successful entrepreneur, I care about that. Yep. And we've made so, that mistake before, the let's lean in the Torre, but you're absolutely yep. right. We need to introduce new people to Torre. Yeah, you want to bring them in and then they'll then they discover him, right? He's not the hook. It's counterintuitive, but it actually makes a lot of sense when you think it about does. it. It's the content. So cool. So hopefully that that's helpful. Let's go to your second question. What's the next thing you want to know? Yeah. So yeah, that was super helpful. So 
I want to know how would you market individual podcast episodes in specific local cities or states? And like, we're a national, international station, but mm-hmm. I think there's specific shows where you want to try to lo- market more locally. And I'd love some advice on that. Cool. Give me an example of a show that you would want to market locally and why locally. So for instance, I actually host a podcast called Say Their Name, where I go around the country. I literally drove around the country doing a road trip interviewing families impacted by police violence. And so okay. these stories are very much rooted in their local cities and their local state. And they're stories that a lot of people are familiar with in those areas and would love to mm-hmm. learn more. So we went to Sacramento and interviewed Stefan Clark's family. So if how could we market locally in Sacramento about this story where this person was killed, I believe it was about four or five years ago um, yep. in the city of Sacramento and reaching people there. Okay. So a few things. So first is when you pick the city, so let's take that as an example, right? Let's say it's Sacramento. So the first thing I would do is I would look for local influencers and I don't mean influencer like bikini chick on Instagram. (laughs) I mean, it's funny. I always say like most quote unquote influencers don't actually have any influence. Uh, so, So I mean, people that are actually influencing things. So whether that be blog, local bloggers, podcasters, newsletters, journalists, who are the people on a local level that have those audiences, right? I would find them to start by making them aware that this thing exists and hoping that you can get some of them to share it, right? They're in it. You want to find your connections to those local communities. Yeah. Reach out, make sure those people are aware of it. The next thing is if you're going to do some paid promotion, obviously Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever you're going to do can be locally targeted. If you do that, again, you want to make your messaging local. So you want to reference Sacramento or whatever it is. The other thing is if you're using images, use local images, right? What do you mean by that? So, so what I mean is if you're, let's say you're targeting and I don't know Sacramento well, but let's say you're targeting Sacramento. The obvious image might be to just be your show title or an image of the host or an image of the person maybe who is a victim of violence or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You'll do better if you do, if you're targeting people in Sacramento with an image of something in Sacramento. Because people, when people are flying by their feeds, Uh, they go, oh, that's my neighborhood, right? uh, Okay. That's my thing. Versus they may not know what, who that person is or what it looks like. So when you can show people something that's familiar, again, you would test this, but typically it's a way on a local level, people assume it's more relevant to them. So they sort of stop and look at it, right? Same thing with your headline, like your headline should, you wouldn't run a headline that's about police violence or whatever it is. You would specifically say violence in Sacramento. Like you want people to know this is about this thing locally. The other thing is, and you're kind of doing this in this example, but if it was something else, like incorporate something into the episode that is local. And and, and then also you could add, let's say you did a general, I'm going to give you a totally different example. Well, actually, no, we'll use this one. Let's say it was an episode about violence. And let's say it wasn't about a specific person or specific case or whatever, that it was a general episode about violence in inner cities, making Mm -hmm. this up, right? That episode may not be about Sacramento or Chicago or whatever, but it might be relevant there and you might want to promote it. So you might record that episode and it's a general episode about inner city violence. Then take that episode and create a blog post and in the blog post, add a local angle. So the blog post becomes, we did this episode about inner city violence. 
did you know X, Y, and Z about inner city violence in Chicago? So the podcast episode is universal or national or whatever, but the blog post is now local. Yeah. If you do that, you're then able to market the blog post specifically about violence in Chicago, which draws them in and introduces them to the general violence episode. Yeah. You can then go a step further. This is where it starts to combine stuff. And now that blog post is what you're asking all those local influencers to share and or contribute to. So now you reach out to, let's say, the local, the local influencer in Chicago and say, hey, we did an episode about inner city violence. We're writing a blog post about inner city violence in Chicago. You're on the ground. You're on the front lines. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to include a quote from you. We'd love to link to an episode you did of your show or an issue of your newsletter that talks about this. We're creating a sort of Chicago violence post. So they go, oh, sure. I have a lot of thoughts about this. I just did a whole episode about that. Okay, we'll include it. Now they're way more likely to share it. Yeah. What's interesting is once you sort of do this format and sort of crack it, crack the formula, you can repeat that with as many cities as you want. So one episode that's a general episode about inner city violence, you might go to 10 different cities and have the Chicago blog post that has that embedded, the New York blog post that has it embedded, the San Francisco blog post that has embedded. You've reached out to the influencers and incorporated them. And now you've got an army of people sharing and it's still your one episode, but you've just localized it around it. You can see how massively that would increase your attention to your episode and your podcast and everything else and make that outreach easier and get people sort of invested in the thing. And you become a part of the conversation in all these different cities. So that, so there's sort of two pieces there, right? One is it's a local episode. So it makes sense. Anyway, the other is here's how I take a non-local episode and make it local. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, all makes sense. I really like those. Yeah, we're going to definitely jump on that at the beginning of the next season. Cool. Yeah. And I think, again, the thing to keep in the back of your mind, especially when it comes to local, is you pick a city and you're experimenting. You're looking to, like what I say is like crack the code. Because if it works in one city, it'll work in every city. So the experimentation part is, let me figure out, can I take this episode where maybe, again, I'm talking if it's a more general episode, but can I take this episode and figure out a way to make this a thing in this market? Yeah. And if I can do that, the exact same thing will work in other markets. And I think what's really interesting in terms of a scalability is once you crack that code, you could actually hire someone or have someone who works for you and go, hey, I want you to go, I want you to take each episode and I want you to market it in these 10 or 15 or 20 cities or five cities or whatever it is. Here's step-by-step how you do it. You find these influencers, you reach out to them, you et cetera. So yes, it's not as easy as like, oh, we just made an episode and we send a bunch of emails and whatever, but it could be really effective, especially with what you're doing. And if you can sort of figure out how to, what the formula is. Oh yeah, I already was thinking my putting my assistant on that one right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- there you go. When in doubt. Cool. So let's get to your third question. What is the next thing you want to know? 
I want to know how can you market yourself on social media if you do multiple things that serve different demographics? So for example, like I myself, none of us are monolithic, but I, I'm an activist yeah. as we were just kind of talking about. Right. I uh, am a podcaster, but I am an advocate for mental health, but I'm also a photographer. Like how do I live my identity, but market all those things? Because I want to market them, but I also don't have time to create pages for each single one of those identities. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. This is such a common question and everybody, including myself, struggles with this. I think especially what's interesting is the kind of people that tend to be creative and entrepreneurial and do things like to do lots of things. So they run in, they very quickly, or I should say they, we very quickly <laughs> run, in, run into that problem of like, well, how do I do all this and not confuse people and whatever? So a few things here. So the first thing is, in general, I don't, and this I speak from experience, I've made this mistake multiple times. In general, I don't recommend having multiple different accounts if you can avoid it. I think that it always seems like a good idea at the time, but really to succeed or build any traction on any social media platform takes a lot of time and effort and you're gonna stretch yourself too thin and it's gonna get confusing. And then you're gonna have some stuff that you're like, well, this kind of applies to both things and where do I put it? And yeah. again, I've done it multiple times. Not that you can't do it and not that it can't work, but my advice is typically, if you can at all avoid it, avoid having multiple accounts. Good, I was so afraid you were gonna tell me I just have to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's a trap, be careful. Like I say, one I've fallen into multiple times. And still to this day, I'm like, oh, maybe I should start up a separate account for that. And I'm like, oh no, don't do it. What I think you should do is you wanna sort of zoom out. You wanna start with asking yourself, what do you really want to happen in general? Like you ask yourself, what am I actually trying to accomplish? Why am I using social at all? Like, you know, I'm doing all these different things. What is really the most meaningful thing for me? And I don't even necessarily mean by topic, but like, what is really my goal here? When you do multiple things, all those goals are not equal. So you might enjoy photography and activism and all these different things, but something's more important to you than others. So I mm -hmm. think getting clear on like, at least what is my top priority? And ultimately, if I could only do one thing, and I'm not saying you can only do one thing, but if I could only do one thing, I'm gonna optimize for that. So at least having some ranking of their importance, I think can help you as you think through how you wanna approach this, as opposed to everything's equal. Cause every, it's not equal. Yeah. You like, you're interested in all of it, but it's not all equal. The other thing then is thinking about just because you do multiple things, doesn't mean you have to post about multiple things. And it doesn't mean that just because you can use social media to market yourself, doesn't mean that you have to use social media to market yourself. So some of the things you're doing may not need social media. Some social media may be a very important component of them. Others, you may go, you know what? I can do my photography or my activism or whatever it is. And I don't necessarily need to be tweeting about it all the time or whatever. The other thing I would say is, even though what I'm about to advise you of about is to sort of focus your stuff, I will say you can post about whatever you want. Like there's no rules to this. So a lot of times people talk as if, and I do this as well, talk as if there's rules. Oh, don't do that. It's not going to work. There's lots of people that are very successful and they're tweeting about whatever the hell they want to tweet about whenever they want. So it's not that you can't succeed, but I do think that the less focused you are, the harder it becomes for you to succeed. Again, quote unquote, succeed. So here's what happens if you talk about completely different things and different topics. So- Every social media post, every individual social media post is an audition. 
with every post, new people can decide to follow you. People that are following you can decide not to follow you. So what happens when you're posting about a bunch of disparate topics? Let's say you're only posting about two topics that are un totally unrelated, photography, activism, whatever it is. And let's say 50% of your posts are about each. Well, if 50% of what you post isn't of interest to one of those audiences, that makes people less likely to follow you and more likely to unfollow you because they're looking at your account and they're going, I only care about 50% of this guy's stuff. Eh. Or they're following you and they're going, half of what this guy posts, I don't care about. And it's not just the unfollowing because the other thing to keep in mind is with the algorithm, just their decision not to engage with a post Every time someone doesn't engage with one of your posts, it makes them less likely to see the next one. Yeah. So if they like the 50%, but half of your posts, they're not we're ever engaging with, they're going to start to see fewer and fewer of the posts they do like. So there is a real cost to posting about things that are completely disparate. And that example is if you only cover two different topics, you can imagine if you cover three or four or more, which most people do, it becomes infinitely worse. Okay. But a few things you can do to tackle this. There are some kind of end arounds and ways that you can kind of do multiple things and make it work. So one is maybe you decide one social media platforms for one audience and another's for another. There's no rule that says you need to do the same thing on each platform. So you might decide Twitter is all about my activism. Instagram is all about photography. And you could, you know, pick deciding what that is. So that's one way to juggle multiple things is to go, my audience for this topic lives on this platform. My audience for this topic lives on that platform. And you have a consistency within that platform that works on your behalf. Another thing you can do is you can look for a through line, depending what the sort of topics are, you can look for a through line that connects your various topics. So for example, let's say that I was like, I really want to tweet about sports. I also want to tweet about business. These don't really have anything to do with each other unless I focused on the business of sports, but let's say they were totally different. When it comes to niche, it's not just the sort of topic, there can be an underlying through line. So I might say, yeah, I'm interested in sports and I'm interested in business, but I'm really interested in underdog stories. And I'm going to focus on underdogs in sports and underdogs in business. And that means that the quote unquote topics are different, but it all feels synced up. It's an interesting exercise anyway, to go like what connects all of these different interests. So you might say, I'm interested in activism and podcasts and photography, but what I'm really interested in is the unique way African-Americans see the world and express it through their photography, through their podcasts, through activism. Now that becomes nuanced, but you can certainly make that work if you then apply that filter or lens to the things you're talking about. When you pick that sort of filter or through line, it can actually help you create more interesting social posts. Oh, yeah. Because e even if you wanna do, let's say, oh, I wanna talk about photography and I wanna talk about this new camera, the default or the fallback would be, oh, look at the tech specs of this new camera, blah, blah, blah. But if you're like, no, I wanna talk about this new camera in the context of the unique way that people see their world or express themselves in the world, and maybe I'm gonna talk about how this new technology enables X, Y, and Z 
expression of yourself, whatever it is. So that I think can be really effective. I think people tend to think that surface level, like photography and activism have nothing to do with each other, but they could. It's all in how you define it. And so that's another way to connect that stuff. And if you do that and express that and sort of message that, not necessarily in every post, but in the explanation, there's a big difference between, let's say, a Twitter bio that's like, I talk about photography, activism, and podcasts. And I talk about unique ways people see and see the world and express themselves through photography, activism, and podcasts. Now it feels synced. These yeah. things that felt totally different feel synced. So that's another sort of way to do it, but that's how I would think about it. I would either say, you know what, based on your ultimate goals, I just need to focus on this one thing. I don't need to be posting about all the other stuff or those are your three options. So that's option one. Yeah, option right, two right. is I'm just going to do different things on each different platforms. Mm -hmm. And option three is I'm going to draw a line and connect all these things somehow. Or option four is ignore everything I said and go start multiple <laughs> accounts <laughs> and then come back on. And I can tell you, I told you so a few months from now. I think that exercise can also be really helpful in terms of, I don't love the term personal brand, but in terms of personal brand and even understanding your own positioning, sometimes that looking for a through line is really, is really helpful. It's a, just a helpful exercise in general for you to understand like, oh yeah, this is really what I care about and what I'm really doing. And these things seem not remotely connected, but they actually are, right? And I think it forces and leads to a deeper level of messaging to people that I think makes everything more interesting and probably helps with your social posts. Because again, it allows you to not just do this sort of surface level activism's important. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it helps the content become, become more interesting. Uh, cool. Well, I look forward to following you and seeing what you're doing, as I'm sure other people will now be curious to as well. So tell people where they can follow you, what else they can get from you, learn from you, connect with you, any, anything you want them to know about, fire away. Well, you can follow me as I'm developing my personal brand a little bit more at Chris Colbert Report. But I particularly really like to push people to follow my company at DCP Official. That's on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook as well. And you can also go to our website, dcpofficial.com. You can check out all of our content there. We also have a recording space in Times Square. So you can get all that information on the website. Cool. And tell me, I probably should ask this in the beginning, but just to clarify. So your company, like with Torre or whatever, are you essentially helping people market and distribute their podcasts? Produce yeah, so, them. Yeah. yeah, so we're a production house where we produce the content. We're also a distribution platform and a network. So we partner with different partners, whether they be hosts like a Torre or brands like a State Farm. We're doing a project with them right now. Uh, but then we develop our own original content, like say their names. So yeah, we do a little bit of everything, but particularly around those underrepresented communities and conversations. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and thanks for the questions. Anyone else who's listening to this, you can check out my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. I do a series of video workshops called Skill Sessions. You can get those at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you are interested in some coaching or consulting help from me, go to joshspector.com slash consulting. You notice a theme here. Twitter, I'm at jspector. If you'd like to come on the show and be a guest and ask me three questions, you can do that. All you have to do is come up with three great questions and submit them at joshspector.com slash questions. 
And then, of course, if you're digging the show, please tell people about it. Please rate and review and do all that other annoying stuff that every podcast host <laughs> asks you to do. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, everyone, for your interest. And I will see you or you'll listen to me, hopefully, <laughs> next next week. <laughs>